Hello, everyone. Welcome to Desk Doodles, episode 18. I'm your host, Sapna Malhotra. Imagine you're a three or four year old kid. You walk into your classroom at school and you think to yourself, mm, what do I want to study today? Do you want to start with math? Do I want to start with science? When you make up your mind, you go pick up the material that you want to study with and you sit down and that's how your day starts. Isn't that a fantasy every child would love to have in their school life? In our past uh, conversations in their students, we've had thought leaders. We've talked about how we can bring down the stress levels for children. We've debated on the methodologies, the pedagogies. And I think the main thing, the fundamental thing that came out when we were talking to all the various guests that we had was that it is so important how that education or that knowledge is given to the children. If the knowledge that is imparted is loaded with fun, definitely the learning is fun for the children. Today on Desk Doodles, we have an amazing guest. She creates these exciting moments for her children day in and day out. She's been an educator for the past 18 years or so. She is the founder of the Montessori School Bangalore. She is the executive director of the Institute of Montessori in Bangalore. Please welcome Ms. Kavya Chandrasekhar. Welcome to Desk Doodles, Kavya. Thank you so much, uh, Sapna, for that introduction. And it's lovely to be part of the Desk Doodles. And I look forward to interacting with you and uh, sharing with you my journey so far with uh, the children. Absolutely. Looking forward to a conversation so much. But before we jump into that, Kavya, tell us about your exciting journey, how it started, where you are, how you reached it. Um, Sapna, my journey started um, by accident, you know, uh, really it started by accident. I was um, doing my graduate studies in uh, commerce and then as part of the marketing strategy, we were supposed to look at, at um, early childhood education in the city. So I went um, exploring that, understanding that. And when I was on that uh, project with my um, peers and my, um, you know, my mentor was supporting us on that project, I really discovered a lot about early childhood education, you know, what was prevalent, what was, um, you know, an alternative school of thought. Um, and that's when, you know, I started to really think about the way I got educated, because as part of the research, we had to give a synopsis of alternative methods. And there were many methods, um, but few were very relevant in India. And when I started to think through that, I really, it really touched something within me. You know, it touched the memory of my um, childhood education and I let it be. It just became a seed, you can say, that needed a lot of nourishing. And over a period of um, a time when I got into post-graduation, which was again into the uh, corporate sector, which was more of public relations and advertising, I was consistently nurturing the seed at the back of my mind. And I wanted to explore and understand more about educating children because in retrospect, I was thinking about my own way of being educated. Somewhere, um, it didn't leave me with a very good memory, um, you know, and that's when I started to dive more into it. And when I was finishing up my post-graduation, I had a choice um, to, you know, move into the corporate world or I had the choice to really make a big switch. That's get into early childhood education. 
that's when i took a big leap of faith against all odds because my family was prepared to see me in the corporate world and then <laughs> i went up to my father one point and i told him that you know i'm reading this book by montessori it's called um, the discovery of the child and the secret of childhood i'm reading both these books and she seems to be saying something that seems to be impacting me i had this conversation with him and my father um you know is um highly intelligent person and he looked at me and he kind of tried to understand me <laughs> but failed miserably to understand me and he said uh, are you trying to tell me that you're going to set up or look at options of um, taking care of young children like changing their diapers is that what you want to do he asked me and, and in that minute i was just like oh yeah that's part of the work but you know it's more than that too and uh, he was just struggling to understand why someone who was doing so well um you know in her studies was making this you know unintelligent choice you know of working with young children that was on his mind and uh, he literally said i should stop thinking about it yeah. and not make such decision and then but i stood my gun and i said no this is what i want to do and voila i was in um, i took up the training here in bangalore for 3 to 6 and then that was not enough then i went to the states and did my birth to 3 training uh and then i i did the 3 to 6 training all over again uh, with ami and then i did the ami 6 to 12 training in london and um it has not stopped it has just not stopped since then and with all of the trainings um i just discovered um so much about myself it was not just about reaching out to children yeah. i think it also helped me understand people in a better perspective and from then on it's been a joyous ride of course with a lot of um, challenges as well as um, great discoveries yeah after this is how your, it happened after all your uh, the training so did you start your own uh, thing right away or did you work somewhere after that i worked i worked in a um, established montessori school here in uh, bangalore for in the 3 to 6 space in the children's house that's what we refer um to that um, you know that age group i worked in the children's house for about 4 uh, years and then i went to the united states um did my training uh, under the birth to 3 because i was very curious while i was working with the 3 to 6 that you know this child who walks in at two and a half doesn't listen listens you know i was just like right. wow like you know you really needed a lot more different energy to work with children between the age group of 2 and a half to maybe 3.2 and i was really curious to understand what's going on yeah. they were very different from the 3 and a half year olds you know and um, i felt i felt as a person on on deep reflection you know i was not able to reach out to them as effectively as i was reaching out to the 3 plus and then i said there is a switch some switch happens around that age that they you know seem to be functioning very differently and then i got to know birth to 3 training was not available in india then and i heard a lot about the montessori institute denver which was um, you know directed by judy orion and at that time carrie lawns was assisting the uh, course over there and i did my research and i they said that you know if you're thinking about birth to 3 you should go there right. so um, i was i think uh, yeah i was in my fourth year or fifth year of uh, marriage and then i went up to my husband and i said i want to do this and he <laughs> just looked at me and said are you sure <laughs> i said yes i'm very sure i want to do this 
Good. And then I packed my bags and went to the US, stayed there and did the course. And it was the most life-changing experience I had because I came in touch with a group of educators that were thinking, breathing, and questioning everything about young children, children under three years, which I feel like, you know, most of the time we think we need to physically care. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where most of the energy goes because that's what... Um, um, the schedule is like, you can't do anything about it. You need to think about, are they eating well? Are they sleeping well? Have they had their, um, um, you know, had their bubble movements and have they had past urine? So most of the energy goes there. And, uh, but then, you know, when I went to the course, I started to realize that there's much more than that. There's much more than physical care is important but also one aspect that touched the core in me was how we as adults or, you know, anyone who comes in touch with the child um, kind of like, you know, is with them because you can't teach them. They just absorb everything around them. And that was um, highly transformative for me because that meant that I needed to reflect who am I? I needed to reflect first, who am I? rather than thinking about what am I going to do with this young child? Yeah. It required a deep introspection in terms of how am I going to talk to this child? How am I going to care for this child? How am I going to accept this child 100% so that the child feels I'm in a safe place? Yeah. As soon as they're born, the first thing that they need to feel is I'm in a safe place where my needs are going to be met. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's the birth of the, yeah, birth <laughs> to three work. Yeah. Great, great, uh, Kavya. I think it's admirable, and the passion is just flowing. And uh, let's let's move from there. And I'm going to put the big question to you. And uh, the big question is, what do you think that is Montessori just another way of teaching, or is it like a philosophy? It's like an ideology. And why do you think so? Uh, for this, you know, um, for this question, I'm going to read out something from Montessori herself. And I think nothing answers this most eloquently than this thing, um, this particular writing by Montessori's son, Mario M. Montessori. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading from The Human Tendencies and Montessori Education. It is a small little booklet. And, she, and Mario writes, Dr. Montessori's educational aims were on the one side to help the development of the child and on the other to help him adapt himself to the physical conditions of his environment and to the social requirements dictated by the way of life of the group of people among whom he lived. So this was really the aim. The aim was to be able to aid a development and make sure that we know what children need at each stage of development in isolation she didn't talk about this development in isolation she spoke about this development in tune with the social needs of the group where he was so it meant anywhere it can be a small little town city village community a tribal community her aim was very clear she was very very clear we want to aid development such that that development is in tune with the social conditions of wherever the child is. Yeah. And that is, I think that is the very, 
a sense that you brought out by that reading, Kavya, that I think Montessori is such a comprehensive, very child-centric uh, philosophy of education. It is absolutely deep-rooted into developmental psychology, right from, I think, from the thought itself that the child walks into the environment and he thinks, what do I want to do today, right? Yeah. And it, it's right from that first step into the environment and then the whole process of his learning is uh, I think the whole uh, system it just stimulates that desire to learn right which all of us sometimes cannot inculcate in our entire life and that child is uh, made to walk that path from there on thinking that okay what do I want to learn right that is so beautiful I think that's the most wonderful part of uh, a Montessori education. I Yes, uh, Sapnan, that is a reality because, uh, you know, Montessori was very clear that she didn't want um, an education plan that is predetermined. She was very clear that the needs of the child from birth to three are different from the child of three to six, are different from the needs of the child in the six to 12, and are also different from the needs of the adolescent or the adult who's going to be formed in the 12 to 18. So she was very clear you can't have the same plan of education implemented from birth to 18 or to 24 because this child is changing. What the child needs at birth to three is very different from three to six. So she wanted us to deeply question, why are we preparing the same, which looks exactly the same, even though this child is changing? What is it about us that makes us prepare spaces which is exactly the same. It's the four walls with the tables, with the chairs and with the blackboard. And we call that as a learning space. So we need to ask ourselves, um, isn't the child changing? And when movement is such a big part of development and we are that. ensuring that they get seated on a chair for long periods of time, where is the learning happening? Can learning really happen? Or the, is the adult um, population falsely believing or falsely living in a security of yes education is taking place you know this is something that I think all of us need to question why is it that um, what she said maybe 100 years ago we have not been able to think through and bring about a change um, you know I'm not saying that we all need to become strong monastery environments that's not my pro propagation my idea is for all of us to just think watch this child and then take from the child what he or need, she needs and create the space to meet those needs. Right. Yeah. And also, I think the angle that you brought in, Kavya, earlier about the social environment, the people around, that is also a very, very essential part of Montessori education that I think the entire family needs to be on the same page needs to believe in that system, the, that philosophy, because if the child is learning in a, a way that is very independent, your, the Montessori way makes that uh, child think, what do I want to do? How do I want to do? And if that philosophy doesn't resonate uh, in his lifestyle at home, that I feel then there might be some uh, discrepancies there in that uh, learning, right? Yes, um, you know, when families and learning spaces, you know, it can be a school or it can be a learning center or it can be any space, you know, because Montessori is not something that can be um, kind of like, you know, be said that can be applied only in school. You can apply it to your way of life. Yes. And if you're providing opportunities for art, you can apply it over there. If you're providing 
opportunities for sports you can apply monastery philosophy if you're providing opportunities for um, you know technical skills monastery can be applied and you know what i want to bring this point uh, ami which is association monastery international which is the governing body which maria monastery started herself is also working with um, um, dementia like you know with um, elderly people with dementia and applying monastery philosophy so monastery is not just um, for education of children it it's a philosophy of life which means aiding development providing opportunities for social adaptability to anyone and everyone in any field of um, life this can be applied so when you have environments let's say when you're talking about a home environment of the child and the learning space of the child reflecting the same ethos or the same belief which means that i want as a parent for my child to be in a space where who he, he is or who she is is nurtured and the learning space also believes in it of course joint effort brings about a lot more for the child and what we want for children i think both as educators as well as parents is we all know children are born with potential and we really want that potential to have opportunities to develop to a full capacity and we don't know what the full capacity is yeah. and can be marveled by that full capacity yeah. is what we really want to provide and that's, yes that's when where, people work together i'm not correct that that's where the path yeah please go ahead time. no i i mean i was just adding to that that that's where i think the beauty of monastery education is that the path that the children start walking is built with all those kind of opportunities for the children uh and uh, for them to experience it for them to delve within and find their capacity find their capabilities and the talents that are there hidden and they need to discover it themselves also that that's what the education and keep uh you know enables them to do yes that's what it enables them to do and the most important adding to that one of the other important factors is like you know um conventionally or mostly you know we think that education is um done to the child you know in the sense that you know the teacher teaches the child uh but you know if we step back and look at it um that kind of teaching is very limiting where the teaching is done to the child learning and experiencing is a child's um ongoing process all that we as educators and parents even parents can do is to provide a space where they can work at the pace that they want to and they can learn by themselves it's a very self education it's it's you know you learn when you work on yourself by yourself um you know that i think is very important and somehow i feel sometimes we miss this point and also one other thing that monastery philosophy or monastery way of um, living or way of educating uh, garners a lot of criticism around is you know with the materials um you know everyone thinks that monastery means means that you have to buy all these materials and put it out in the learning space because you know what you were mentioning earlier they come they choose what they want to choose yes they choose what they want to choose and they learn at the pace that they want to uh, learn but those materials or whatever you call it those activities that you put out either in your home or in your um you know in the school environments the monastery environments or in any other creative expression 
is only one part of the big picture yes. it's really a very very one part of the big picture montessori does not necessarily always mean equivalent to materials of course yes the materials are fantastic but you know it's very important for all of us to remember that those scientifically scientifically prepared materials form a big part of the montessori learning space having said that um, you know that is not the only aspect of a montessori environment it's the it's one part of the physical aspect but the human environment or the human attitude forms a big part of the montessori um, learning space be it at home or any other space where the child has access to which um, reflects the ethos of the monastery uh, way of life yeah but uh, kavya coming to uh, coming back to the material part of it i think it it's a beautiful uh, material that you have whether it is the practical life material or for the culture or for the language for that matter each and every material that you use for the education is also just a way of making that child experience while he learns that's what it is right that that kind of uh, material is uh, we classify it as montessori material but there are so many examples there in real life which can be used to educate children for them to experience it and learn right instead of like in a general conventional mainstream school the way the knowledge is spoon fed to children like there's a particular mm. system that you need to give it to the children and the children need to absorb it but in this case the children are figuring it out themselves they are kind of understanding it and then so that kind of knowledge is always permanent it is always there forever yes sapna i kind of like you know um, agree with you and it is true um, these materials are very scientifically prepared and is self correcting so it takes away the adult from uh, interfering and saying you're right or wrong because children through their own manipulation realize that you know they made an error and they have to correct it by themselves i think what level of dignity what level of self respect when we are all in spaces where someone else is not pointing out to us you made an error you need to correct it you know but the self correction happens very naturally as a as a possibility of manipulation um, you know it's just like you take water in a jug and pour it into a glass and the child might be pouring it and it's all um you know flowing out and the child knows yeah this is happening this is part of my it's a consequence of my action you know i didn't stop when i needed to stop and it's all pouring out so i'm going to go and um, rectify it yeah so uh, uh, coming to the next question from there is because when children who learn in such a wonderful i think it's a fan fantasy uh, like world that they learn it and when they move maybe at a primary level or they move at an elementary level when they move to a mainstream school and they get into a classroom where there are desks and when the movement is restricted all about what we talked about how do they adapt to that then because sometimes it becomes inevitable for the parent to move that child if they move to a place where they don't have a uh, uh, you know great montessori school so then how how do the children then you know they must be confused or how do they adapt to it then see one thing that i have experienced with our own children also like you know the montessori school as the program for young children that's under 3 years and we have a program for the 3 to 6 and the 6 to 12 so some of our children stay back and continue in the 6 to 12 some of our children leave um one thing we tell parents and we kind of like you know prepare them is 
in a three to six space, they're moving about exactly like what you said, Sapna. They're choosing things that they want to work with. They work with it as long as they want to. And we're constantly observing all of those. But gradually also, some of the things that I want to bring, uh, bring out here is, you know, when a child at two and a half comes into the environment, he might be sitting with something maybe for three minutes or four minutes. But as they progress in age, as they progress in development, um, they also take on to activities where they have to sit. You know, there's some there's some work in the monastery, not some, a big part of work in the monastery environment where they have to sit and work at something for 40 minutes or 35 minutes. That's just the nature of the work, okay? So when you look at that, I think they have the needed preparation to sit at something for a stretch period of time. Definitely, yes. But in between work, they also have the freedom to move. The only thing that you need to talk to them about and to the families um, is the idea of sitting at a desk and being take to, to be able to take instructions from an adult when they can get up and when they leave. So that kind of like, you know, preparation is what you need to offer them. I'm not, um, you know, what's the right word to say? I kind of like, you know, I'm not a big um, believer that you need, you know, in the fact that you need to restrict movement to be able to aid learning um, because I question that form of learning. But having said that, if uh, parents and families are making a choice to move to a format um, where children have to contain themselves in a certain way, which sometimes might be against their developmental needs, yeah. um, you know, they cope with it, they adapt with it. Okay. Uh, and they also, some of the feedback that I've got from parents is like, you know, when they used to come to the school, they used to be so excited to learn about things. They used to have this fire in their eyes. And now they move to a traditional school and they say the first thing, you know, the first six, two to three months they take to adapt, but they all adapt beautifully. But one thing that parents have come back to me and said is, you know, they've started to say, I don't need to know this. You know, I need to know only this because this is what teacher wants you know yeah. that becomes their um, I know. way of, and they adapt they adapt to that you know and i think i, I feel it's the parents who take sorry in my experience i feel it's the parents who take a longer time to adapt because they're so used to children moving and learning and then now they have to see the child who's asked to sit in one place and take yeah. instructions but, you know, I'm also seeing a lot of um, schools which are like a hybrid yeah. where they're beginning to realize that movement is needed and they're not as conventional as it was a few years ago. And I'm thankful to that. And I'm very thankful that, um, you know, education as such, especially I know in Bangalore, yeah. like, you know, even though there are traditional school, um, you know, they are providing needed movement opportunities is what I think and I hope, like what I've heard a little bit. Yeah. I know, no, I remember because when I was teaching and I was teaching in a conventional traditional school and uh, in between I was teaching kindergarten and I used to take uh, time in between when I would have time, I would go to the Montessori environments and just stand and observe and I think it's just a, such a delight to see the children, the way they are excited to learn and I mean, it's really hard to believe for people who have not observed it to understand it because it is just amazing how children, you know, enjoy that kind of learning. And one other thing that I used to love about, uh, you know, looking into the Montessori environment was that 
different age group children studying together right you had in the same environment you have a two and a half year old and you have a five year old and the beauty of it was uh, you know so striking that how children learn from the very uh, beginning stages how to help each other how to you know be a mentor to the little one so i think that that's again a very wonderful uh, uh, part of montessori education Yes, it is. And, um, you know, in which part of life are people living age-wise other than in school? You know, so Montessori was very clear, like, you know, our goal for education was nurturing development and the adaptability. And she said for both of these to happen, they should live like the way you and I live, right? In our home, we have people of different age group coming together. And, um, you know, the what what we are, you know, mostly seeing now is the um, you know, the impact of the industrial revolution, which is a batch-wise uh, production of things, assembly line production of things. And um, that model of education came in at that time because um, women were going to work and they were work at long periods of time. It was just a lot more easier to divide children age-wise and put them age-wise. But when you really look at development, you can question that. If development needs to reflect life, then none of us um, would be developing to our maximum capacity today. You know, I'm, a, I'm of a different age, you're of a different age. Look at the interaction and the discussion that we are having. We come from different cultural backgrounds and we can come together and communicate. And this is what we want for children to own and um, nurture, isn't it? And um, all the things that you said, I agree with it. I believe in it and I've seen it to such great um, amount of, um, you know, they're, they're like great things for children to absorb yeah. during the three to six phase. And in the six to 12, you know, it is, you know, I wish you can come sometime down to watch the six to 12, 12 space. Yeah. It's phenomenal to Absolutely. see the 12 year olds work with the six year olds. Yeah, and it's also wider range, right? The six to 12, while some schools some um, learning spaces break it down into six to nine and nine to 12. At the Montessori school, we have tried to keep it six to 12 because I feel there's so much of learning that um, but coming children can gain to, from, you know, what from, from the children to the teachers. Yeah. How do you as a teacher, like if you are in, uh, you know, three to six age group, how do you balance your time with each and every child? Because the little ones, I'm sure, would want to hog on to the entire time with the teacher because they all want to, you know, come <laughs> cuddle and sit next to the teacher, hold the hand. Like that, that's such an, you know, uh, part of that tiny age. So how do you divide your time and balance it between them? Uh, see, to be a very successful or efficient uh, educator, especially in a creative learning space like a Montessori environment, uh, you really need to be super well organized. Uh, you need to be almost like a high functioning manager, efficient manager. Um, you know, that um, is what I would say would bring a lot of joy to you and also do progressive work um, with children. I also want to say something over your Sapna. I feel this work with children, either be with uh, children under three or three to six or six to 12, you need to really think about it and make a choice whether you want to be an educator in a Montessori learning space because it is going to demand a lot out of you, both physically, emotionally, 
it's going to ask a lot out of you. Um, initially, when you finish the training and when you join the classroom, you feel like every day is a tornado, you know, <laughs> and that's the truth of this job. Like every day is a tornado. But if you have faith in children and if you know the principles of the uh, method of education and you are making bi-monthly uh, plans and you know, probability plans, lesson probability plans, if you're tracking observation and if you're tracking every child and the uh, entire community as a whole, um, your work only gets easy. Absolutely. It requires a deep commitment from the educator to commit to this kind of paperwork. You know, Montessori, you know, many a times Montessori is seen as you come harvest palak, make palak soup or, uh, you know, lettuce salad and go home. Yeah, that's lovely. That's great. But over, the, over and above that, there is also um, a rigor, you know, for the educator. The educator needs to be highly professional. She needs to have a deep understanding of young children. And she needs to hold faith in the child. That the child in a space that I have prepared will blossom to his fullest potential. And that cannot happen by just turning up every morning and doing as you wish. No, it doesn't happen. I want to make this very clear because many a times Montessori is seen as, you know, you just walk in and the children will work. No, it doesn't. It I doesn't. Uh, uh, Kavya, I think that's true for uh, as an educator in, uh, I feel in any environment because if you are committed to the children, if you are, I think as an educator, you're uh, sleeping, eating, drinking, the thought process that goes through a child's mind and if you uh, want to give a little bit of freedom to the children that's why I feel that half the time the conventional schools do not uh, give that movement freedom in the classrooms is because the teachers feel that once we give that freedom we don't have class control which is so wrong because I think it's all about um, you know the the faith that you talk about between you and the children and if you bring in experiential learning, if you bring in, because I've been a teacher for more than, you know, 15, 17 years now. And uh, mm -hmm. all through my life, I always allowed a lot of fun, a lot of movement and, you know, all that in my class. But it was never that if you instill that kind of faith, I think it is so much easier for you to work with children, no matter what the, uh, you know, way of teaching could be, whether it is a yes. monetary or a conventional. Yeah. You know, I bring this point out to one big aspect of Montessori is also observation. You make all these plans, but you're constantly observing, um, which I feel is very different in a, in a three to six environment. You're tracking every child by the time. Okay, nine o'clock he came in, what did he choose? Did he do that work independently? Was it directed choice? Was it, you know, a choice that the child made because a friend of his made, you know, <laughs> they wanted to work together. And then you make observations on, um, did they show concentration in the choice that they made or was it just a fluttering interest? You know, I'm, you know, she's painting when I want to paint. She's doing a puzzle work when I want to do a puzzle work or was it a choice that they said, oh, I walked in and I want to do today a decimal operations, you know, and then you make note of all of those observations and that is an important investment for you as an educator to understand not just individual children, but the community um, has a whole because Montessori environment um, needs to make some exceptions too to reach out to children who need that additional help or support. Yeah. 
no that that's uh, you know perfect uh, place for me to move into the next question and which was coming to that uh, you don't in montessori education you don't have like tests you don't have exams and that's again for me i mean uh, that's again a highlight for education because you're not studying just to put it out on paper you're studying and you're learning to learn something that is the kind of philosophy that you're inculcating in the children which is so beautiful but from there how do you as a teacher or as a school or as a parent how do you understand the progress of the child how do you because a lot of parents have felt like we're talking about in general of course there are parents who do understand the philosophy who know and you know they know that what it is all about but certain parents will be like oh you know nothing comes home so we don't really know what is happening that's a very common uh, way of how monetary a lot of monetary parents put that so how how do you make them understand that progress um one of the key aspects is to you know yes we don't do testing in the traditional format that's at great. all that's great that's <laughs> great uh, we don't do but you know um, one of the kind of like you know misinformation that many educators have or educators and even parents have around montessori is um, we may not test in the traditional sense but there are some very interesting um, lessons that montessori kind of like you know built into the uh, and built into the curriculum uh, uh, no philosophy and pedagogy that was checking you know it's like a check system um you know i'll give an example um of introducing names of anything in the environment you know she, uh, she along with the she took this idea i think from freud but i'm not sure uh, this idea of the three period lesson where you give the name first and then you ask them to keep it here keep it there let's say They're having apple, banana, and orange. Give me apple. Give me banana. Give me orange. Keep apple. Keep banana. Eventually, you are asking, "What is this? What is this? What is this?" And testing, as such, you know, for us is more of a check or observation. You know, I would like to convert testing and check is equal to observation into a monetary environment, because if you are maintaining detailed records, which is which is becomes which is um which really you get. skill that as you gain experience in monetary environment you know where children are uh, making errors okay so you make note of that error and then you come up with a strategy to help them overcome that error so you are checking you have to kind of like you know keep a close look on where they need help where they facing difficulties because that is also monetary to help children overcome those hurdles overcome those uh obstacles it might be as simple as like you know i've seen this very young children in under 3 program you know they bring water they pour it into the basin they take the soap and they just rubbing the soap you know and then there is no lather they just rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and so um you know you want them to have that experience to realize that what oh, yeah is happening nothing happening and we watch we watch for like maybe 10 minutes or maybe 8 minutes and we see what can happen can another child come in and say something that is would be ideal yeah. okay or the child discovers by himself that is also great and then you know maybe after you know he's he's had enough um, experience with that and you feel like you may have to step in yeah you will step in and say okay let's do this let's wet our hands and then apply soap okay. i'm giving you a very basic simple yeah. example but Absolutely. this this holds ground everywhere yeah Correct, and I think that's 
the most important thing that i i gathered from what you said was that when a child goes through that kind of a journey he himself is assessing himself that you know this is what i learned if you talk to children they will themselves say that this is what i've learned but i didn't get this but tomorrow i'm going to go back and do this and i think this kind of learning even as adults we sometimes when we delve in we are unable to understand ourselves that okay and to come uh, you know i think comprehend that this is what i have not understood is so difficult but uh, teaching children in this way is creating a kind of a generation which kind of understands that okay i need to go back and i need to learn this so i think what more what more do we want when a child himself or herself understands what i've learned and what i've not learned and what i want to learn that is the beauty of i think that uh, system of education yeah so we want to be able to give like you know what you said you know i want to add to that and say you want to really be able to give time yeah. for self discovery correct you know to for them to also make errors yeah and understand that we are friendly with errors errors you through errors i feel you learn a lot more than you would with um, always getting it right um, you know and that's that's the reason that's the reason you know it's hard i must say i must say like you know at when i started off my career with young children i still remember um you know i'd gone with this idealistic idea that you follow the child you know um because in monastery we all say that right follow the child and then i said you follow the child like if the child wants to do he will do if the child doesn't want to do he will not do so i remember this child it's taken this um um you know this cabinet with um, geometrical shapes okay and then um he was supposed to feel it manipulate it like put it back like you know it's like a puzzle thing you need to put it back he did one or two he got up and he walked away and i said he'll come back you need to just follow the child maybe he's taken a break he'll come back kind of a thing he never came back <laughs> no he never came back and i was like that's the thing and i'm like follow the child he'll come back follow the child he'll come back and then you know through uh, experience i realized that you know um, yeah you follow children when um, they're meeting their needs in the environment when they're not just kind of like you know there is freedom and there is limits but he also has this this i understood over time that you know he's taken this work he's done it a little bit he's gone away somewhere and i'm thinking he's going to come back he's going to come back 30 minutes 45 minutes he'll not come back and then eventually i realized through experience there comes a time when i have to get up and say come on let's come back and finish this and put it back and then go um um to the next and then you know so this idea of like you know following children to meet the needs you know and then preparing a space where the needs are met and um, they understand the freedom but they also understand that within the space there are limits such that it keeps me safe it keeps others safe and it puts me on a path of progressing towards um, you know independence is very important correct and that's another um, checks uh, sapna are you able to aid children towards independence yeah. if children are if a two and a half year old child when he came to you you have not been able to aid his independence and he still at the same spot at three and a half four and a half then it's a big problem yeah. you know it's a huge big problem so you want to ask yourself as an educator are you able to aid independence yeah no that that's uh, wonderful kavya because i think what you said was so correct that 
but in in the example that you gave also the beauty of it was that you're not forcing the child to learn it right away you gave that child that little freedom mm -hmm. to think to maybe just go explore something else because that environment is something that he is going to explore slowly and then when you just you know you're just brushing it that why don't you come back and you know finish it and put it back you're still giving him a choice so that i think that is the beauty of it whereas when you're in a, a conventional school there is absolutely no uh, freedom at all it's all a formatted thing that you you study english then math then science and then you maybe step out to the art room so i think there are i think what you said that uh, uh, a hybrid model where the educator also needs to believe that it's okay to give some freedom it's okay to guide the child but not always force uh, you know that kind of uh, a system and education down their throats like that yes i think that's very important like you know i think learning is a lot more enjoyable and a learning is a lot more uh, meaningful uh, without rest restriction on movement absolutely i feel like you know when we ask children to rest movement i feel we're really uh, touching upon um, or restricting basic human rights yeah. you know movement is such an integral part and when you're telling them you need to arrest your movement <laughs> i feel you're infringing on their basic absolutely, yeah absolutely now uh, when we were talking about the material kavya so last year 2020 I, i had so many conversations with students and principals and teachers and everybody and i think it was difficult for each and every stakeholder on so many different levels but as a monastery teacher as you you have your own school how difficult was it for you to reach your children or uh, i'm sure because like we said the material is only in it's one part of the learning but it is also an important part of their learning and that is only in school they individually they don't have so how were you able to you know get across to your children on this online platform that's uh, that's a question you know we spent a lot of time ideating and thinking i have a lovely team uh, which is highly invested in uh, monastery education and um, we also receive a lot of mentorship you know from people who have been in this work for a long period of time and you know when the pandemic um, began you know we were all completely shaken we didn't know how we are going to navigate through this time and then you know but you know what we did was to talk to parents saying that you know initially all of us thought 3 months 4 months 5 months then it got extended and extended so we talked to parents and we talked to our mentors and we said and all of them said that especially our mentors said that you know in many many years generations have not been in this kind of a situation though monastery survived the uh, two world wars um you know how are we going to navigate through this time and what really helped us was to really educate parents it was like you know um, one of my team members said this covid has a lot of silver lining and we really used this time to be able to educate our parent community which you never you do through your school year but you know this time we had this all this time to educate them on the ethos of monastery principles like what conversation i'm having with you sapna is the conversation you know um, we had with our parent community and of course yes you know um, some 
we did have a mixed reaction from the parent community but you know when you're very clear about the ethos of the monastery principle why you're going to do certain things why you're not going to do certain things and then you are convinced about it and you communicate it effectively to the parent community if not today they come around it gradually because i think um, both educators and parents want children to be be developing so if that is the um, focus okay if that's the focus then i think you can come together to look at ways which in which we can sustain development yes children can't be in the learning space they're going to be at home so who's the best support system it's going to be the parents you know but the biggest challenge was parents were also working from home yeah. you know or understand <laughs> they also had to educate they also had to educate their child um, you know during this time so what we did offer was a lot of workshops for parents like you know we had a workshop on key ideas simple things like okay you have a home can you create a small little space for children to do things at their own pace you know uh, where they can do things um, you know when they want to do and how long they want to do you know can you offer that kind of a space and that space can have things that children enjoy maybe for a child from 3 to 6 it might be magnetic tiles you know for a child from 6 to 12 it might be a stationery with paper pencils you know uh, markers colored papers because they love exploring any idea that they think about they want to create big projects <laughs> so can you make a space available for big projects and for the 3 to 6 child it was more like you know can you engage them in the kitchen can they do something where they contributing to your life can they set the table can they do all of that work and as the pandemic started to stretch we i think as a team um discussed key learning links see you can't make the home a montessori uh, school you know you can't you can't make it a montessori environment because these are all scientifically prepared materials and there is a certain way to offer them to children but then you know as a team we identified key learning links and we said this is what children need for learning to sustain and these key learning links were around language do they have opportunities to enrich their vocabulary read books all of that and it was around um, uh, you know do they have opportunities for movement think about that and do they have opportunities for less covid is a reality but they can have small groups of social interaction maybe with their um, immediate cousins or nieces nephews and they all come together and can they have that so we focused on movement language and um, you know social interaction one thing which we were very clear about is cognitive skills will be a bit um, will take precedence over social skills social emotional is what is going to be um, at the top and um, whenever the conditions are right and children are back we'll pick them up we told the parents very clearly we'll pick them up from wherever they are and you need to trust us and um, that kind of like you know really helped the parents to come together and uh, kind of like you know trust uh, trust us it took time each family took time some of them uh, wanted us to um, prepare every material and send send home which we kind of said no to um, you know because it's a easy way to uh, get that yeah and how how are you going to send and then our question is i want all of us to ask this question yes we can prepare a pink tower and send it home but is material meant for teaching the learning is in a social context the learning really happens in a social context and we have to be very 
mindful of that and every parent took some time to get their uh, sapna but you know i feel if you're very clear about why you're doing this work Correct. and you're not trying to um you know link it and say okay you are a parent at the monastery school we need to kind of like you know please you we will do everything i feel you're not <laughs> no. development you're no, just not going to and you rightly said kavya when earlier also we broached that point that you, you the house is full of things that can be used to teach children whatever uh, topic that we want to and they can experience and learn of course monastery material is great but like you said you can substitute it in, in so many ways the kitchen is there the you know your uh, living room is there there is so much that children can you can you know uh, learn from so i'm sure that what you said is uh, amazing that parents finally found uh, you know saw light to it and they could understand that yeah. yeah not all of them but i think most of them most of them understood where we are coming from and then they understood our commitment is to development we were very very clear that our commitment is to development and then if you are entrusting us with your uh, with your child whenever the child is back we will um, take them from where he or she is kavi i think uh, what we talked about was bringing out the whole essence of uh, monastery education and from where we started that it is really not just another way of uh, learning but it is also uh, a philosophy for life it it is so much more than just an education yeah. system right yes yes apna that's um, something that you know even i kind of like you know to be very honest with you i discovered um, gradually you know when i first did my training for the 3 to 6 i thought wow such a lovely way of educating children but then you know gradually over the years i've come to realize you know that it's much more you know also very honestly i want to say this that you know this is where i am in terms of understanding what montessori is today i know for a fact it's an ongoing journey for me and for all of the educators who are invested in um uh, monastery understanding monastery um philosophy and um, you know this is how i feel today but i know for a fact i might have a um different expression of it yeah uh, maybe a year from now or two years from now yeah absolutely and let's hope that that uh, this time changes and uh, you know your children can come back to the beautiful environments and they can run around and they can you know explore on their own which is the beauty of uh, monastery education so hoping that that time comes soon and wishing you all the best with all the amazing efforts that you are taking to keep up with the education for all your children there and all the best kavya has been a delight to talk to you today Thank you so much uh, Sapna I also want to uh, thank you uh, for giving me this opportunity uh, to talk to you uh, I think that you know um this gave me a platform to talk a lot about um, you know monastery philosophy for life and um, you know some of the questions that you asked uh, were also so pertinent to the situation that we are in and also I think what I really enjoyed uh, was expanding this idea about monastery you know for life and no, um, learning is for life i know absolutely life. yeah if if i could go back be a kid and start my learning all over again i would seriously love to study in a mont environment and experience it for myself because i think it is such a wonderful way of learning yes that's always what i think too every time i see children 
learning in that space i'm like mm, we are creating this when are we going to be in it we want to be in it absolutely but yeah. let 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 the creativity not stop as uh, as an educator let's keep creating these uh, wonderful environments for children to learn and that's all i wish for so thank you so much today yeah. thank you so much sapna thank you so much bye bye